This is episode number 39 of the Aging Academy Podcast. Welcome to the Aging Academy Podcast, sharing the information we need to discover how to grow older without getting old. And here's your host, who turns this whole idea of aging upside down, Lee Moat. Welcome back to the Aging Academy Podcast where we discuss the topics and issues relevant to those of us wishing to master our aging process so that we do not get old as we get older. This is episode number 39. Today's episode is about medical marijuana. I have been promising this episode for quite a while now, but its release has been delayed with all of the name change work that has been getting done as explained in the previous episode about the Aging Academy reboot. As we know, medical marijuana is making inroads all around the country in a variety of venues, and I wanted to explore this topic much further and more deeply, and with me today is Dr. Rushna Patel, the medical marijuana doctor, as she calls herself. Dr. Patel starts to shed some light on a somewhat controversial topic, but listen to the episode and form your own opinions. I already have my own. The show notes page for this episode will contain links to some of the resources mentioned in this episode, as well as information about Dr. Patel herself and how to contact her. After listening to this episode, find a bit more time to visit the show notes page to see what else we have there for you. The show notes page for this episode can be found at the following URLs. Yes, I did say URLs, plural. Until things stabilize with the Aging Academy URLs and website, each show notes page will have two URLs. First, there will be the Inner Game of Aging URL, and you know the URL convention for that. It is innergameofaging.com forward slash IGA followed by the episode number. In this particular case, that episode number is 39. So the URL for this show notes page under the Aging Academy would be innergameofaging.com forward slash IGA 39. We have the same, essentially the same sort of convention for the Aging Academy. When it's ready, you will find the same show notes page under the following URL for the Aging Academy. TheAgingAcademy.com forward slash TAA39. And now let's join the conversation we're in the middle of with Dr. Rushna Patel, the medical marijuana doctor. Well, I want to thank you for taking time away from your patients today to talk with me about medical marijuana, which is rather, you know, a hot issue these days. We have it being legalized throughout the country. Um, We'll talk a little bit about that. And many people are finding its benefits and many people still don't understand it. So I really welcome you here today to shed some light on this quote unquote mysterious topic. So, if you can start off just by telling me how you got into this field, you're known as a marijuana doctor, a medical marijuana doctor. And I want to know where that label comes from. 
Yes. So it all started um, over half a decade ago when I came upon an ad that said medical marijuana doctor needed. Um, And I came upon this ad on Craigslist because I was browsing around. I was going through residency and, and struggling with a lot of insomnia. So so like any other insomniac, I was surfing the internet in the middle of the night because I couldn't sleep. And so, what, you know, I came across this ad and it really piqued my curiosity. Now, here's the thing. I was at the time going through training in emergency medicine and a lot of what I was seeing included, so mainly what you see in the emergency room is pain. Yeah. Right? Where there's chest pain, stomach pain, back pain, et cetera. You see pain. And if there's no emergent cause, typically what an emergency medicine doctor does is that you send the patient out to follow up with their primary care doctor. And you also send them home with uh, prescription pain medications, okay? So these are typically opioids. Hmm. But here's what ended up happening. You know, I had patients come back into the emergency room experiencing side effects from these, from these opioids. Patients were coming, up, coming back um, uh, uh they they were what what are called drug seekers, right? So they were coming. Drug to seekers. Them. Yeah, yeah, that's the label that that we give them, unfortunately. But they were coming back into the emergency room because they had become hooked onto these medications, and what they were looking for was an an uh, intravenous, an IV version of the medication, right, to get their fix. Then we had. Uh, I was in the unfortunate circumstance of having to resuscitate patients that had overdosed on these medications. Hmm. So, so the reason the medical marijuana piqued my curiosity is because, you know, in that moment, um, I, I started looking into it. I started to dig into the research. I started to, to look, take a look at what the field is all about, um, you know, how, how physicians are practicing, because I, had, I hadn't known up until that point that it even existed. Hmm. And about a year later, um, uh, what I found most compelling in the research was in, in medical mar- marijuana's potential to treat chronic pain. Hmm. It seemed like it was doing a much better job than opioids and, um, and patients who were taking both opioids and mar- medical marijuana experienced greater pain relief. And so, you know, to become, yeah, I had the knowledge, I had the book smarts, but really you need the, the, the sort of street smarts, but so to speak, right? To to become yeah. a great physician, you need to have the clinical experience. Of course. So that's when I signed up to work at a medical marijuana clinic out in Sacramento, and this was back in 2012. And there's been no turning back since. <laughs> okay, well, you're you're in a, a rather you know active field right now. It's a lot of people becoming curious about it. A lot of people, I myself, have had issues with chronic chronic pain from an accident that I've had where my leg was essentially severed. That leg continues to give me pain, and I do find relief with a variety of things, mostly ibuprofen. But I've noticed on the times that I've experimented with medical marijuana Mm -hmm. that it has been just as effective as ibuprofen in dulling that pain. The first question that I'd like to ask is, I'm trying to understand myself. What what do we label officially the difference between recreational marijuana and medical marijuana? What what qualifies each? Is it the activity? Is it the person's use of it? Or is it the, the drug itself? What's, what, how do we distinguish between these two? Yeah, so it's not the actual medication itself. It's really a legal distinction, okay? Okay. So, uh, so basically... Um, 
you have in, in, the, in the U.S., you have states that have legalized for recreational use and you have states that have legalized for medical use, right? Mm. Now, the biggest advantage of both compared oh, can to... I, can, I start, can I interrupt you right there? Yeah. Just to ask a quick question. Sure. There are states that most states, I believe, have legalized it for medical use. Yep. Are there states that still have not legalized it for medical use? Yes, there are. So, so far, 29 states have legalized for at least medical use. Okay. And okay. the others have not? No, the others have not. Okay. Okay. And then um, in terms of legalization for recreational use, uh, it was six states and the District of Columbia. Now it's seven states and the District of Columbia. Vermont just um, added themselves to the list of having legalized for recreational use. Okay. So, okay. So back to uh, recreational and, and medical marijuana. Okay. So first thing is, is that the states that have legalized for either medical or recreational use, the difference between getting mar- uh, marijuana there versus in, in any other state that has not legalized for any sort of use is that um, you're getting the marijuana, the products, from a li- state licensed facility. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the advantage of this is that these products are laboratory tested. And when they're laboratory tested, you know the exact amounts of cannabinoids, the chemicals in marijuana that are in the products. And that's important because, um, uh, what happens is that um, you, you, my main uh, rule of thumb is that you always want to know what you're putting in your body when it comes to marijuana. And that's one of the ways to know how Mm -hmm. by buying a product that's laboratory tested. Okay. Okay. And, and specifically in in recreational states, there are are standards and, and protocols for the laboratories themselves, as well as the manufacturers of the products, as well as the vendors of the products as well. Okay. Okay. Okay, so that's one thing. Um, now, um, in states that have legalized for both medical and recreational use, um, it's sort of a vague difference. Okay, the main difference is potency of the products. Uh, okay. Um, so the higher potencies are available to patients who are using for, for medical reasons, and, and lower potencies are available to, to basically anybody over the age of 21. Okay. 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 So, and also in order to get access to the medical products, you have to have a, uh, doc, have documentation from a physician. Um, uh, so you, you go and you get evaluated by the physician and then the physician has to then determine, okay, will this patient benefit from the use of medical marijuana? Sure. Um, so, so does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Okay. If I understand your answer, the main difference between these two you suggested is potency. Um, if I were to, if I'm a recreational user and I want something stronger, then I might head to a medical marijuana since that tends to have therapeutic quantities of the active ingredient. Now, well, that- okay. So hold on a second. So I, I sort of want to, uh, uh, there, there's sort of a misconception there in, in what mm-hmm. you said. More is not always better. Yes. Okay. Optimal is always the best when it yes. comes to medical marijuana. So, so you're not aiming for, you know, the, taking the absolute highest dose, um, uh, you know, taking it as often as you can. You want to take it optimally because just like any other medication, you can develop a tolerance if you overdo it. Okay. Yes. So, yes. so that's, that's important to, to, to keep into account. You know, the other thing is, is that it, it, between the difference between recreational and medical really ultimately comes down to how you use it, right? So yeah. recreational users are really looking to use it to, to get high off of the marijuana, mm-hmm. 
medical users are really looking to use it safely so that it can help alleviate yes. their, their symptoms or help treat their, their medical condition. Um, so, so that's the other part of it as well. Another distinction, I don't know if this is a valid distinction, is the psychoactive element of recreational uh, marijuana, THC, may be different than this, you know, that same element on medical marijuana. I, I don't know how yeah. the authorities do this. So. Yeah, so, so here's the thing. Every plant makes some amount of CBD. So let, let me backtrack a little bit. Okay. So marijuana, the plant, makes a whole bunch of different chemicals, right? And I mentioned yes. before that the umbrella term for these chemicals is known as cannabinoids. Okay. That's right. now, now, the two chemicals that the plant makes in the highest concentration are THC and CBD. Okay. Now, the one that everybody knows about is THC. Mm. In excess amounts, and those are the operational words there, in excess amounts, it, it causes a psychoactive effect, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, CBD has no psychoactive effect. Now, okay. does that mean that a, a medical patient should just use CBD? No. The, depending on the medical condition, some patients benefit from just CBD, some patients benefit from, from just THC, and then there are patients that benefit from both, from both CBD and THC. Okay. So, so back to what I was saying, every plant makes a different amount naturally based on its genetics, based on the environment in which it was grown, it makes different amounts of CBD and THC. So depending on which plant the, the, the product was made from, it will have a different amount of CBD and THC. And, and in the case where laboratory testing, where laboratory testing is done, you will know the exact amounts of the CBD ah, okay. Okay. on the products, okay? okay? And that way you know what sort – you can anticipate what sort of effect it's going to have on you sure. based on your condition. Okay. So does that, does that bring clarity? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, okay. okay. N- now my next question is sort of strange. You mentioned cannabinoids, and in my research for this conversation, I'm made to understand that the human body has a system inside of it that's specifically attracted – to these kinds of cannabis cannabinoids yes. That, that, yes. that we have a mechanism inside of us that responds specifically to, could you talk a little bit about this? This seems rather intriguing. We seemed almost designed to respond to this plant. Yeah. So we have what's called an endocannabinoid system. Okay. So I mentioned those words cannabinoids. Those are the chemicals in the marijuana plant. Endo means within. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have phytocannabinoids, right? So phyto means plant. So these are the cannabinoids in the plant. Mm-hmm. And then we have endocannabinoids that work it, uh, as a part of the endocannabinoid system, okay? Mm-hmm. So um, basically what happens is that we have chemicals that are very similar in structure to the chemicals in the marijuana plant, which is why we react to the chemicals in the marijuana plant, okay? Okay. Uh, they're, they're very similar to each other, Okay. And um, so, and then we have receptors that, that really can't tell the difference between what's the chemicals that are made within our body and the chemicals that ah. are made in the marijuana plant. And so that's why it actually reacts uh, uh, to the chemicals in the plant. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. If I, let me see if I understand you. Said. We, have, we have chemicals that sort of look like cannabinoids mm-hmm. and these chemicals are attracted to either our own natural cannabinoids or that of the cannabis plant and yep. react, and react to it in the same way it would. Now, I'm not sure. We don't 
get a psychoactive effect from our own cannabinoids. Um, but I'm not sure what would bring that on. What about we, that? Change? So believe it or not, we do. We do. It's just not um, in excess amounts. Okay. Ah, okay. Because, because the, so here's something incredibly interesting. They did, there's um, uh, a medication that was made. Okay. So here was, so, so this is, let me sort of give you the whole story. Okay. Basically, you know, it's known that marijuana causes the munchies, right? You take yeah, too oh much yeah, marijuana, oh yeah, yeah. Munchies, right? I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of people out there that have experienced that. Yes. So there are scientists out there that were like, wait a minute, if marijuana, if we, if it stimulates the receptors and it causes uh, uh, someone to get hungry, what if we turn those recept, create a chemical that turns those receptors off? Then it would suppress appetite. Okay, mm-hmm. so they went ahead and made the chemicals that turned the marijuana receptors off. Okay, so it was a, it was a, a appetite suppressant, which you know who doesn't wow. love, especially okay. in America where we're so so conscious yeah, about yeah. how much we weigh. They made the medication, they put it on the market, and uh, it was working. But <laughs> they took it off the market because it was causing suicidal thoughts. Cause, could you repeat that? Could you repeat they, that? They took the medication off the market because it was causing suicidal thoughts. Ah, okay. 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 So that goes to show you just how important these chemicals are in our body and to our emotional well-being. Because okay. if you turn these this this whole system off, right, the endocannabinoid mm. system, you turn mm. it off, you start to have suicidal thoughts. So it is making you happy. It's just that when you take it um, exogenously from the outside, you run the risk of overdoing it. And that's why people get the high, okay? Within our bodies, we have sort of a checks and balances system in place, so it never gets to that amount. I mean, in certain individuals, it could. Um, And that's when you get, you know, things like, like mania and whatnot, but... Um, well, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of things. For example, this this cannabinoid system that we have within us could be responsible for, let's say, an exercise high, like the runner's high, yeah, um, or anything that feeds or rewards a dopamine system could yep. be involved in this. You know, I mean, this cannabinoid system could be involved in anything that's increasing that dopamine. Yep. So, it's um, so marijuana is both dopaminergic and serotonergic as well. Could you so, could you yeah. pronounce that again? Yeah, so dopaminergic and serotonergic. So basically, dopaminergic. What, yeah, and okay. and serotonergic. So basically, what that means is that um, uh, marijuana helps to uh, it basically it, it, it causes a production of dopamine and serotonin in our bodies. Okay, okay. And those are chemicals that are involved in our emotional well being. Okay, um, now the the difference between what we use outside and what we use inside normally when we're just walking around the the cannabinoids inside of us are are responsible for our mood and sometimes you know other health aspects but when we add the outside cannabis to this it's quite possible to throw things out of whack i would you know i would imagine so you know only if you overdo it Okay. okay. Or so if you take, there's a couple ways you can go wrong with marijuana. If you use the wrong combination of chemicals mm-hmm. for, your, for your particular set of conditions mm-hmm. or symptoms, if you if you um, uh, take the wrong amount, okay. Um, if you if you overdo it in terms of how often you're using it as well, you create a tolerance to that, and that just doesn't work. So yeah. So 
So basically, you know, if you, if you, if you use it safely and responsibly, then it can get you, give you the effect that you want on a fairly consistent basis. Well, let's, let's go to some of the medical conditions that um, marijuana has been used to address. Now, you mentioned um, poor appetite, the munchies, you know, um, and there's a number of other things that marijuana and cannabis are known for. By the way, I prefer to use the term cannabis rather than marijuana since marijuana was a name given to the plant for political reasons. Yeah. And I prefer to use the name cannabis rather than, so I will often refer to medical cannabis rather than medical marijuana. But the, there are certain conditions inside that marijuana is, has been famous for being able to address. Inso- you mentioned insomnia is one of these that, you know, I'm sure you have patients who are helped in their sleep by cannabis. Could you talk about this for a bit? Yeah. So the most common conditions that I treat are chronic pain, anxiety, and insomnia. Yeah. Now, um, uh, so let's talk about sleep. Now, in terms of results that I've seen in patients that have used medical marijuana for sleep, um, this includes, well, let me give you a little bit of a story on, on, on the patients that typically come in that are struggling with insomnia. Um, these are patients that have, um, uh, you know, on and off struggled with, with, with difficulty sleeping throughout their lives, whether it's falling asleep, staying asleep, or waking up, you know, whether it's to, to use a bathroom or, you know, mm-hmm. you just happen to wake up and then you can't fall back asleep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so these are the different ways that they struggle with sleep. And a lot of them have already tried, you know, over-the-counter medications. They've tried, uh, uh, you know, medications like melatonin, for instance. They've tried prescription medications like Ambien, for example. But what happens is that they find that these medications leave them feeling uh, groggy or, or feeling hungover the next day, and then thereby impacting their ability to function. Okay. Yeah. And so... Um, uh, you know, th- then they'll come to me sort of, sort of as a, as a last resort and, um, and, and the medical marijuana works great. Okay. Um, they're able to, to fall asleep easily. A lot of times patients will tell me that, you know, as soon as my head hits a pillow, my mind starts to race and where the medical marijuana is helping me is that my mind's not racing anymore. And then it helps. I can, I can attest to this. I have several veteran friends who have PTSD mm-hmm. have had very difficult time falling asleep at night because of the PTSD. And um, almost all of them, 100%, are helped by medical marijuana, medical cannabis. Yeah. They, you know, they, you know, they say they become a new person when they're able to get a good night's sleep, and medical cannabis is their avenue to a good night's sleep. The, the side effects, do you realize how much? money there is in pain, excuse me, sleep, um, sleep medication, over-the-counter sleep medication at this point in time, that could, for the most part, be addressed by medical cannabis. Yeah. Um, And then I have patients that are able to to stay asleep. Mm -hmm. And then finally, um, even patients who wake up in the middle of the night, they're able to fall back asleep easily. Okay, mm-hmm. and then the great thing is, is that patients aren't waking up feeling groggy; they're actually waking up feeling refreshed. Now, the best thing is, is that patients don't have to take the marijuana on an everyday basis to to be. That's able a to- bad thing. They don't have to no, take the best. Oh, the best thing. Okay, I think yeah. it's the bad thing. No, the best thing. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so they can, you know, really, medical marijuana is really an as-needed medication, right? Yes. 
So, so uh, depending on, again, it depends on the condition, but for, for a lot of patients, once they, they start using the, med- the medical marijuana, they fall into a sort of a natural sleep cycle, okay, or sleep rhythm, and then they don't have to use the medical marijuana anymore. Again, the anecdotal evidence I've seen amongst my friends who have had difficulty falling asleep corroborate exactly what you're saying. There's a, a whole bunch of problems with these medications, even the over-counter medications that could be avoided with medical cannab- cannabis, in my opinion. So, Now, um, I wanted to – let me move on with my questions because I don't want to take up all of your time. Um, we mentioned insomnia, chronic pain. Let's talk about some chronic pain conditions that you've seen in your practice. Okay, so the most common conditions of chronic pain that I've seen are arthritis, fibromyalgia, back pain. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then um, let me, migraines. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then let's see, what else? Um, those are, I would say those are the more common conditions that I've, that I've seen. And then, you know, there are other conditions um, that are related that patients come in with, sure. right? Like, for instance, multiple sclerosis. Parkinson's I'm going to add well. another one to that list, that short list. Yeah. A partially severed leg. <laughs> um, I've had, I've had a much pain relief, both from ibuprofen and medical marijuana for my yeah. leg. So, so I, so the one that you're talking about, so that, you know, severed leg has a lot of different areas of pain involved, right? So nerve related pain, neuropathy. Yes. That's yes. I forgot to mention. Yes. Probably muscle related pain that you have as well. Yeah. Um, and if it's, if it, it, you know, if it went down to the bone, bone related pain as well. I've had it all on yeah. that leg. Yeah. So. And, you know, although I don't, I, you know, it's scant when I do, but on those experiments, it has addressed the pain quite nicely. Um, ibuprofen does a very good job too. And I usually just pop uh, some ibuprofen whenever I feel pain. I don't feel it's on an as needed basis. So I don't feel pain every day. Um, not enough to take anything. So, but I know that it works quite effectively from my experiments there as well. So now in your practice, the, the back pain, especially you say is a big one. Um, you know, how, how do you understand what doses to give a person based on his pain levels or, you know, I don't know how that mechanism works. You know, you come with pain here, take this. How do we decide what this is? Um, I guess that comes from the experience of being a doctor, right? You're, I suppose you're, right. you're very well uh, versed in terms of uh, figuring out, you know, in, in terms of medication, you know, what, what patient needs and how much they need. Mm-hmm. So, so basically um, it, it's, it's going to depend, right? So depend on the patient's set of symptoms, set of conditions that they come in with. Uh, also depends on their medical history. Like for for instance, you know, have they had a gastric bypass? If they've had a gastric bypass, then uh, they may, if they eat, uh, uh, you know, medical marijuana, like any form that comes as a chocolate, as, mm-hmm. as, as a gummy, that may not be the best form for them. So I'm really sitting down with patients and going through their history. Okay. Going the medications that they have taken, that they are taking, you know, and then, and then figuring out, okay, what's going to be the best combination of chemicals for them to take? What's going to um, um, be the best method of administration for them? Yes. Uh, 
And then, you know, when it comes to dosing, dosing varies highly from patient to patient, right? Much like a lot of other medications. Mm. So what I do is I'm walking patients through methodology to help them figure out how much they need for, for them. Okay. Mm -hmm. In their situation. Okay. Um, so, so that, that's pretty much how I do it. And a lot of it, you know, I, I've, I've learned from experience of having treated thousands of patients, um, and eventually, and, and also just having looked up, you know, the pharmacology of, sure, sure, sure. um, and, you know, taking what's based on the books and seeing how it works, uh, plays out clinically as well. Now, one of the areas that marijuana is famous for, we mentioned three, insomnia, chronic pain, and anxiety. Anxiety and stress-related situations. I mentioned my friend who has PTSD, who is very much benefited by medical cannabis. Can you tell me some anecdotal stories about anxiety in your practice and how that's being addressed with medical marijuana? Yeah, so... so, a lot of anxiety, you know, a lot of the patients that come in, it's chronic. Once once it starts, it starts at different stages in people's lives. Usually, I'd say on average, it's it's early twenties when when you sort of have to start dealing with the real world. When you become um, an adult, yeah, yeah, adulting. <laughs> and so, um, uh, it, a lot of times, this uh, this anxiety is associated with panic as well. And for for a lot of people, the panic is debilitating to the point where they're having a hard time breathing. They are, you know, their heart is racing. They're getting really, really sweaty. Um, it, it's, it's paralyzing is mm, how it, yes. in terms of how they, they describe it. So, um, and it can affect a lot of things. You know, it can make you more irritable, affecting your relationships with, with the people that you love. It can um, affect your performance at work, you know, your productivity and whatnot. So a lot of these patients, again, they've come in having tried uh, conventional medicines. Mm-hmm. They're put on, um, you know, Xanax is probably the one that's the the the, the most well known within uh, conventional medicine of what's prescribed for anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and and it falls within the class of medications of benzodiazepines, right? So so in general, this is what's prescribed for anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's patients that are on uh, long term anti anxiety medications as well. Um, a lot of times. Um, with the benzos, patients are really concerned about getting addicted. Yes, to yes. Diazepines, because they find themselves very quickly needing higher and higher doses and mm. needing it more and more often through the day. Um, with the long-term medications, a lot of patients get like, get side effects from it. You know, weight gain uh, being being mm-hmm. a common one. Um, and uh, you know, many of them have also tried alternative therapies too, um, as far as even trying like um, hypnosis. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, and and so and then again, you know, when when all all else seems to fail, they they come to me um, as a last resort, and um, you know, in terms of the results that I've seen with medical marijuana and anxiety, is that um, uh, the mind racing. So yes, a lot of patients yes. have anxiety; their mind tends to race. Yes. Um, so so it helps them with that. Okay. Um, a, a lot of these patients also have difficulty sleeping, so it helps them with that as well. Um, they they. What I've also seen in in some of the best case scenarios is that reduction in the number of panic attacks that patients have. Mm, A lot of times it eliminates the panic attacks altogether, okay? Okay. Um, So, um, and uh, I've also seen patients be able to to either uh, reduce the doses of of the conventional medications that they're on or eliminate them altogether. Okay. And then just use the medical marijuana to to help treat their anxiety. Cool. 
Now, again, moving on, I, I'm, I'm going from question to question. I don't want to keep you here longer than I need to, but I'd like to get these questions answered. One of the things that we've come about in the medical industry is understanding that inflammation in our body is a tremendous cause of many of the diseases that we've been experiencing that are growing more and more prevalent in our society. Mm-hmm. Inflammation can be coming from many places, sugar and you know, all the rest of that stuff. But I'm made to understand that cannabis can address some inflammatory conditions as well. Talk to me about that, please. Yeah, so the, so the autoimmune conditions, so basically these are conditions where your body's sort of attacking itself. Mm. And, and the specific conditions where I've seen medical marijuana help are things like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, Crohn's disease, um, all of these conditions, it helps. It doesn't necessarily, I would say, get, get to the root doesn't get to the root of the problem, um, but it does help with managing the symptoms of, mm-hmm. of these conditions, right? So, let's so the cause of the inflammation is not being addressed here. No. But the inflammation itself is being reduced. Yeah. So okay. I can actually even get into the science of, of how marijuana is, is reducing inflammation. It does have an impact on the autoimmune system. Okay. So basically the, the, the cannabinoids are are signaling um, the specific death of cells that are causing an autoimmune attack. Okay, uh, that's number one. Okay. Number two, they, they suppress the production what are, of what are called cytokines, okay? So cytokines are, are basically chemicals that we have in our body that signal the start and stop of inflammation, right? So if you suppress mm. their production, then you don't have as many signaling the start of inflammation, of course, inflammation is used by our body to heal. That's part of the healing mechanism. Yeah. But so you don't want to stop it altogether. But again, no. having prevalent inflammation all surging throughout the body is definitely a cause for concern. Yeah. So acute inflammation is fine for healing, but it's when it gets becomes chronic yes. that it becomes problematic, right? Okay. Um, and so that's what I'm referring to. And sure. then number three is that that the cannabinoids specifically activate what are called T regulatory cells. Okay. Now these are cells that we have in our bodies um, that are there to, to prevent an autoimmune attack, right? So if the marijuana is stimulating these T regulatory cells, again, it's helping in, in, in preventing autoimmune attacks. Now, again, this is all based on research and animal models, but what I've seen play out clinically, it also holds to be true in humans too, right? Yeah. just even given the example of psoriasis, I have patients that now, one of the big components of psoriasis is that you get um, uh, inflammation of the skin. You get a lot of flaking, a lot of peeling, redness, mm-hmm. a little bit of swelling. So, uh, you know, I have patients that apply what are called topicals, right? So this is marijuana that comes in the form of an ointment. They apply it to the affected area and the skin heals. Ah. Uh, and a lot of it could be attributed to the fact that it has anti-inflammatory properties. Cool. Uh, now, so, so we've touched marijuana as it, you know, as it affects the basic things that we've come to know and love about medical marijuana. That is anxiety, chronic pain, sleep, and to a lesser degree, inflammation. But it's being experimented with in other more exotic diseases like Parkinson's and cancer as well. All the more, you know, um, what I call, you know, cellular diseases, you know, like I'm not sure how it plays out in that. What's your experience in those types of conditions? Okay, so so let's take the example of Parkinson's. In that uh, specific case, where I've seen medical marijuana help is with tremors. 
Okay. Uh-huh. So, so re- it, it helps in reducing the, the number of tremors, the severity of the tremors, and also how long the tremors will last. Okay. So it's symptomatic relief that we're talking symptomatic about. Symptomatic relief. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now the other, um, uh, uh, condition you wanted to talk about was cancer. Yes. So where I've seen medical marijuana help is in the case of, uh, patients who are undergoing chemotherapy, right? And they're experiencing nausea, vomiting, they're experiencing, um, uh, pain because uh, the chemo mm-hmm. agents can do damage to the nerves in the body as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they're experiencing lack of appetite. Yes. So those are all the areas in which the, the medical marijuana can help. Now, there is an important topic that I want to touch on when it comes to cancer. Okay. So there's a lot of sort of misinformation out there about uh, uh, marijuana curing cancer, okay, on the internet. Um, and this is something I feel very strongly about because – it's important for me to put not to not put a patient's life at stake. Okay, Same. so here's what happens because of this information that's on the internet. A lot of times, patients will come to me putting wanting to put all their eggs in one basket for mm. going conventional chemo treatment altogether and saying I'm going to use medical marijuana to treat my cancer. The thing is, though, we don't know what that's what right. if. The marijuana right. has on the cancer. Okay, now in based on research in animal models, so we're talking about rats, mice, and also research in petri dishes. Okay, mm-hmm. the, that research has shown that marijuana certainly has anti-cancer properties. Mm-hmm. But does this translate over to humans? That's sort of the question. We don't know. Now, don't know. It, there have been small-scale studies done. These are studies with like ten to twelve participants, mm-hmm. which isn't enough for us to draw c- conclusions from. The other thing is clinically in my own practice, you know, have I had anybody come in and say, hey, this completely cured my cancer? No, I haven't, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so it's important for me to, 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 to sort of clear that up. And then that's a question that I get a lot. You know, how do I treat my cancer with marijuana? Yeah. And my response is, I don't, you can't, I don't, as far as I know, I'm not going to make the claim that you can. Sure. You know? For me, it looks, for me, it looks like if you are undergoing traditional chemo, radiation, and those kinds of treatments, that the symptoms from these treatments can be mitigated by medical marijuana. Yes. Yes. For and symptomatic so, relief, it's great. From, yes. You know, symptoms that you get from chemo. Yes. But if you're trying to treat your cancer with medical marijuana, that seems a bit. I mean, you're scam. putting your life at stake at that point, yeah. you know. And then the argument is, well, the chemo, you know, uh, kills the, the patient before the cancer does. That's that's, I think, a very blanket statement. I mean, uh, the odds now, are. You have to dig into that a bit more carefully. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. Now, um, how, what about how are the, how are doses delivered? You mentioned chewables. How how do we deliver yeah. medical cannabis to a patient? Yeah, wide variety of methods that are available, right? So I mentioned edibles, and we've evolved way past the, the prototypical pot brownie. Uh-huh. Right? So there's, there's chocolates, there's gummies. You know, it's actually evolved to the point where there's now gluten-free options available. Where there's what free? Gluten-free. Oh, gluten-free? Free, yeah, gluten-free marijuana products that are available. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, vegan. Um, uh-huh. sugar-free as well. Uh-huh. Um, 
So it's, it's a quite an involved industry, especially if you go to states like Colorado and California where the industry sure. is for a while. So, but you just mentioned all the edible variations. You know, there's, um, you, know, you can still smoke it and all the rest of that stuff. And is, is that the same thing when you smoke it? So I don't recommend to patients to smoke marijuana mm-hmm. because sure. long-term it does do damage to, to mm-hmm. the lungs um, and to the body in general. Mm-hmm. Now, an alternative- That's because of the smoke, right? Yeah, it's basically okay. pollution. You're inhaling mm-hmm. pollution, right? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like taking your mouth to the exhaust of a car, you know? Uh-huh. It's almost okay, like- okay. Um, now, the other thing is, is that there's also um, a, an alternative to smoking is called vaporization. Yeah. So basically what that is, is that it, there are devices called vaporizers out there, and they yes. heat the plant rather than burning it, okay? So there's, there's a great advantage to this because – when you burn something, you're creating pollutants. When you heat something, uh, you're, you're avoiding the creation of a lot of those pollutants. Yeah. So that's another option. Okay. And then you have what are called uh, tinctures. Okay. So these are basically drops that you put under the tongue and under the tongue formulation. Mm-hmm. Then you have, I mentioned ointments. Okay. Uh, topicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then believe it or not, there's also vaginal and rectal formulations of medical marijuana. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what, why, why would you why would you go that route rather than some of the more conventional ones? So, like rectal formulations, just even in conventional medicine, are used when any of the other routes are not accessible. Like in a patient who's seizing, like a child that's seizing, ah, for instance, okay. you know, they can't do oral because they can they can it can go into their lungs and then they can mm-hmm. you know um, get get a pneumonia from that. Sure. Um. Uh. You, you know, maybe they can't get an IV in. And so sure. sort of a last, as a last resort, you use rectal. So there are sure. patients out there where, you know, they just can't take anything by mouth. Um, sure. They could be on a feeding tube, for instance. And so, you know, you need to use a, a, a rectal um, okay. method of administration in that case. Sure. Now, th- you know, another question that I've had put to me, especially yeah. knowing my audience, knowing that you're going to be on the show, who should not be using medical cannabis who should not be using medical who should cannabis? not who would you who would you recommend stay away from medical cannabis okay so there are certain populations that i'm very cautious in recommending medical marijuana to okay mm-hmm. and those are patients um that have any uh, uh underlying heart condition Okay, because too much medical marijuana can increase your heart rate and then can throw you into that that dysrhythmia, like atrial fibrillation. Like, mm-hmm. Let's take for example that's that's an example. Okay. Um, uh, then anybody who has a lung condition, right? Because it, it, inhaling medical marijuana could make the condition worse. Mm-hmm. Then you have um, uh, patients that have had a history of. Uh, psychosis, any sort of psychosis, mm-hmm. because excess amounts of marijuana can cause auditory and visual hallucinations. Yes. So it can make these patients more prone to, okay. to, to, to uh, experiencing psychosis. Okay. Then you have children. Now in children, certainly use, you know, for, you've probably seen it in the media, uh, medical marijuana being used for, for children who have epilepsy. Yes. But here's what happens. So whether it's accidental or intentional, like for instance, a parent giving too, you know, they're sort of figuring out dosing on their own and they end up giving too much to the child. There have been cases in Colorado where children have shown, shown up in a comatose state from, from being given or accidentally taking too much medical marijuana. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then you have women that are, that are 
uh, planning on becoming pregnant, that are pregnant, or that are breastfeeding. I am, am very cautious in this uh, group of patients because okay. the, when it comes to the research, the jury's out in terms of the effect that the marijuana has on a growing fetus, on a growing baby. Mm. So I err on the side of caution. I don't recommend to this population. Okay. Okay. So, now, I mean, there'll well, be people out there that sort of argue against each of these cases, mm-hmm. um, but, but I, I like to, to practice medicine safely. You know, I don't, I don't want to be. Sure. Yeah. sure. Okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Now, one of my last questions here is, relates to um, the, the politics of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. The, you know, big pharma is watching all this kind of nervously as, as medical cannabis starts to become more prevalent. You know, their sleep medications, their anxiety medications may not be as yeah. profitable. Yeah. What's the relationship to the legalization and research of cannabis? How has Big Pharma played into that? What has been your experience in terms of the relationship Big Pharma has with the legalization and the growing acceptance of cannabis? Well, here's what I can tell you. Big Pharma is getting their hands into, into, into medical marijuana. So there's that means it's going to be expensive. <laughs> yeah, that could be. So here, here's how, here's what could happen, and here's what I actually, what I anticipate will happen. Okay. There is a pharmaceutical company called GW Pharma that's based out of England. They received special permission from England, from the government in England, to grow marijuana, and they're creating their own formulations of marijuana. Now, is is a process much different than what it is from what can be found at a medical marijuana dispensary? No, it's not. Right, mm-hmm. you're just extracting the chemicals from the plant. Mm-hmm. Now, it is certainly being done under more standardized conditions, right? So there's more control over the the, the end product, the mm-hmm. quality product. So they've partnered up with Bayer, and you can actually Google this, but they they've applied for patents in the United States. Uh, one of them being um, using uh, their their specific medication for cancer pain. Mm. So they've already got their hands in it. Um, okay, and, and okay. They, they had their hands in it a while ago. Um, and so what I anticipate will happen is that once these medications are ready to go to get to market, right, mm-hmm. um, they, the government, because, because Big Pharma has such a huge influence on the government um, and its policies that it, that it creates, they may reschedule it to class two substance. Then what happens is that marijuana can then only be uh, uh, dispensed through uh, a, a prescription, through a physician, and through a pharmacy. Mm. Okay. Now, I don't know how the states are going to react to this, right? So it might come down to states' rights versus versus uh, federal. federal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so I don't know how it's going to play out, but that's what I'm anticipating because then so I'm watching. I'm watching. You know. From the anecdotal evidence around my own life, I'm watching big swaths of the industry trying to be wiped away, like ibuprofen. I may not need ibuprofen anymore in the future. Yeah. 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 Or sleep medication. There's there's lots of money in these kinds of conditions at this yeah. point in time. I mean, that could be reduced dramatically. Yes, I know. So, <laughs> so and I've seen it in my. And community. I'm even talking about you know ED, erectile dysfunction. You know, um, this, you know, Viagra has been prevalent in our um, society, and some of that can be addressed with medical cannabis. Yeah, it's multiple birds with one stone sort of that's right right so i am um, very curious as how big pharma will react and try and cover I mean, themselves there i'm sure 
I mean, they're, they're smart business people. I'm sure yes. they, they're very well aware of the impact uh, that the legalization of marijuana can have on, on, on their business. Okay. So I, and I know for a fact that they've done studies in Colorado and since marijuana became legalized for recreational use, there's, there's been fewer um, deaths associated with opioid overdoses. Ah. Okay. So it's great yeah. for, great for, for the economy, for great for people, right? Mm-hmm. But not great for, for big pharma when it comes to, comes to their, you know, business. That's right. That's right. So yeah. I, they're well aware of it. You know, they already have their hands in it. Um, it's just a matter of, of uh, uh, you know, how the law plays out at the end. You okay. Know? Exactly. How much, how much the people's voice will have a say versus how much big pharma will, will have. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, influence on, on, on policies. I think that's what it's going to come down to. And it's going to be a great debate to see because the people have already made their voices heard. That's right. Marijuana is now legal for medical use in 29 States. And a lot of that was because a lot of people fought really, really hard to make that happen. It's Um, funny. We are living in a a very exciting time, in my opinion, politically, medically, um, you know, futuristically, there's, there's a lot of, Pivotal things happening around, you know, with artificial yeah. intelligence, with the politi- political scenes, with the global affairs going around. There's yeah. a lot of activity going around the world. This makes it a wonderful time to be living. Yeah, I think it's, all, it's like taking what happened in the 60s, you know, with the with – because the, uh, I think the counterculture movement made – it, huge strides yes. in, in changing our laws. You know what, like from equal. I was part of that. I'm old enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so now it's even like the, 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 the women's marches, it's almost like, okay, we're going to take this now to the, to the next level and we're going to mm-hmm. truly make it an equal playing round at this mm-hmm. point. So before it was, you know, giving women a voice um, and now it's taking that voice and amplifying it to, to actually make a difference, you know, just as an example. But yeah. even with medical marijuana, you know, gay marriage, um, all of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know? it's, it's so, a, there's certainly a revolution going on. I don't quite understand it all. I don't know where it's all going to fall out, but it's an exciting time to be living and watching it all. Yeah, I agree. I wanted to, um, I wanted to ask you, there are many of us in my audience who – yeah, you know, we'll hear all this anecdotal evidence, but some of us require actual data to sift through. And what yeah. I was hoping you might provide to my audience is probably possibly a list of research um, you know, that they can pour through. I will keep some of this data on my show notes page for this particular episode. If you can, you know, just list, not here in the show, I can collect this from you after we, you know, after you finish recording, but I would like my audience to be able to access a number of research articles that show some of the conclusions that we've discussed here. So, so, um, I, I'd be happy to do that, but he, here's the other thing. Uh, a lot of times the research is, is difficult to sift through. So what I've yes. done is on my YouTube channel, I answer a lot of commonly asked questions and those answers are, are backed up by research studies. Excellent. So Excellent. I summarize the research studies in video format. I'm talking about them. Um, and then I always, um, on my, on my website, I always write down the research reference and it'll always link out to, 
the National Institute of Health's database. Okay? okay. And then that's where you can, you either have to pay for the original article or it's accessible free. It depends on the journal yeah. in which it was published. So, so that's one of the other ways. And it, it makes it very easy instead of having to sift through an entire list. Absolutely. It's by, Absolutely. by condition as well. And of course, if your listeners have questions, about that specific video that I answered or the, or the research that I mentioned, they're always welcome to post their questions in the comments section of my YouTube channel. Sure. Um, and I do get around to, to answering those questions. I will, I will leave all of that information on the show notes page for this episode. I will leave the information about your website, about your YouTube channel, about you specifically. Um, and I want to thank you. This has been an yeah. extremely informative conversation. I hope my listeners got as much out of this as I did. I know there's so many people who are curious about this whole topic and I want to thank you for shedding light and taking time out of your day to do so. Yeah. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to your listeners. And that wraps it for episode number 39 of the aging Academy podcast. I hope you got as much out of that as I did. And to help you review and retain all the information packed into that conversation, head on over to the show notes page for this episode where you can review the questions we explored and get the timestamps in the audio where each of these questions occurred. Yes, these timestamps these timestamps for long episodes is something new I'm trying. They could be helpful in locating particular sections that you need to access again. When you, whenever you see a timestamp linked in blue on the show notes page, just click it and the page will take you right to that spot in the audio. There is also information on the show notes page on Dr. Patel's YouTube channel where you will find a surprising amount of videos answering many questions about the subject. And I've included a few articles that I thought you would find interesting as you explore this area as well. One of these articles explains why I take issue with calling it marijuana instead of cannabis. Take a read on that and see how you feel. Then leave a comment to register your voice on this matter. There is also a link to a rather large survey being conducted about how cannabis can influence the lives of seniors and older people. And you can find all of this at the following URL. TheAgingAcademy.com, all one word, forward slash TAA39. Yes, by the time this episode is released, the podcast URL show notes should all be accessible via the Aging Academy URLs instead of the Inner Game of Aging URLs. Although I expect to keep the Inner Game of Aging URLs around for archival purposes, the new episodes, that is from episode 39 onward, will only be available using the Aging Academy URLs. Where I live, there are so many businesses that are reconstructing their premises. There are signs all over the place saying things like, please excuse our appearance while we make things a little bit better for you. Well, the new website for the Aging Academy is still being developed and I need to say essentially the same thing. Please excuse what is not yet available on the website. If you are listening to this in the future, of course, then by all means, head over to the Aging Academy website and explore the other episodes of this podcast and all the other resources that are made available from the site. In time, the site will be pivotal in how you interact with the Aging Academy. But 
for the time it is still being developed. Yes, you can get to the show notes page on the site, but at the time I'm speaking to you, there's still so much more that is needed on the site in order for it to be a functioning medium for you to interact with this brand. You can always contact me directly via email. I welcome feedback, suggestions, and anything respectful that my listeners have to say. My email address, of course, is lee at theinnergameofaging.com. So until next time. Thanks for listening to the Aging Academy podcast with Lee Moat. Check out more content and resources by visiting the show notes pages on the Aging Academy website at theagingacademy.com. That's the Aging Academy no spaces dot com stay with us on our journey of learning the many ways of growing older without growing old <laughs>